0: either one of
1: these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film.
0: It's so bad! Remakes and reimaginings and sequels and more this week to talk about. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we'll start, where else, with Dom Toretto and his family. They're targeted by a vengeful son of drug kingpin Hernan Reyes in fast,
1: X you are not to be trusted.
2: Are hey, you in on my Christmas list either? Never, never,
1: never. Calvary's here. Cheers. We need weapons and cars. Ooh, sh- Cannon cars. Do you like surprises? I adore them. I'd stay down if I was you. You'll need to hit me harder for that.
0: The game's over, Dom. You lose. This
1: is your last ride. Then you might want to buckle up.
0: Well, we've since learned, you may have heard, it's the beginning of what they say is the final trilogy. So they're right. going to turn this last one for a while people thought they were going to wrap it up. Well, they don't. It's going to turn into a trilogy. So this is the uh the first of that. We'll see. But yeah, and long about fast, I don't know, 5, when did they go to space? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I think know. it was I think it was I in 5. Know. Was it in 5 where they they uh. actually jumped a car it, From uh, one skyscraper yeah. window through the that's right. when they became superheroes. That
0: was the one that Ronda Rousey was in, I think, I forget. as I recall. I, I know. Forget. It's tough. But the point is, mm-hmm. you already know whether you're going to go see this movie or not. And if it's on your radar, if it's your thing, you've probably just given into it. And oh, that's yeah. that's the best way to do it. Oh, and yeah, you'll have no.
2: fun. There's no question. I mean, if you're if we're ten in, if you're not already a fan of this series, unless you're absolutely brand new to the series. You know, then what's what's the point? And that's the thing. You know, this movie is dumb as hell, dumb as hell. And there were times I laughed, I laughed louder and more often in this movie than in any comedy I have seen this year. But not because it's comedic, right? But that's
0: the best. I, I I'm I'm right there with you. That's the best way to enjoy it. Oh yeah, thumbs up all around. Dumb I, as hell, thumbs right, up all around. I remember the one that had the flying car. Yeah. Through the across the skyscrapers, and that's why I said, "Oh, okay, is this what we're doing? Yeah, all right then." Yeah, uh, and then that's when you kind of that's when you it really let you enjoy it the most. I think so. And all these people, all these big names and familiar faces since then, as the years and movies have gone on, have kept joining the franchise. Yeah. And early on, I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> and then they must have as much fun doing it yeah. as it is to watch because they're they all back and they've added more for this one and they right. just
2: keep coming. Well, you know, and uh, there are two things that the franchise has always done well. Um, and the first thing, obviously, well, it's the set pieces, and actually, in each in each film, they get better, and that's that's tough because they yeah. really up the ante every time, and they're they are spectacular in mm-hmm. this movie. They are glorious. Well, you that's know, the, what
0: people expect, exactly. so they have to, yeah. The uh,
2: you know the explosion of Rome and the you know all obviously the car chases, the car sequences. He takes down a couple of of helicopters. Of course, uh, he does all kinds of things, right? But also the fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. In uh, Jason Statham has has a pretty great one. Jason Statham, obviously, that's real- now
0: I'm glad to see him back because yeah. I've I've always said my favorite thing about this entire franchise is the four or five minute scene in Hobbs and Shaw between Jason Statham, the Rock, and Kevin Hart. Yes, that's the high point in the plane. <laughs> but so I always like to see him back. I like his character.
2: Yeah, he's not in it for a long time. Right. So he does get a good a good action sequence. The best one though is is Charlie Saron and Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Now to me. You know, full disclosure: Michelle Rodriguez is easily the most interesting, consistent character in this entire franchise, mm-hmm. and I and so I'm always happy to see whatever it is that she's doing. But and they're in this both case, so
0: good at the she's physicality, she's beating the
2: shit out of. They are just yeah. for like four solid minutes. Yeah. It's great because it's they both, really well choreographed and it's believable.
0: Yeah, they've both shown a real penchant
2: for these. These physical roles right. and these fights. So yeah, let's go. I mean, believable in quotes. It's not anybody well, would die, but they they real. I mean, they have yeah. a great time with they it. Do. It's a great sequence. Um and, and but one of the things that this movie does then, because obviously they're going to take their time wrapping it up, is it splits up the family. Yeah. So you have all of these different avenues sorry, to what? follow. <laughs> what, what, what
0: is that that you said? The what? family. The family. <laughs> I know, know, pretty soon, by the time we get to the end of this, Vin Diesel in one franchise only says, I am Groot. He's going to just eventually just say family. Right. That's it. And everybody it. will know what he's really exactly. saying.
2: Just do it. Yeah, Just exactly. do that.
0: Take my idea and run with it. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> but, so they split them all up. So you're with, you know, Letty and, and Charlie Theron and Brie Larson, new to the series. Yeah. Um, they're all in Antarctica together. And you know, and then the four that that have always that well the two of them, so Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson, mm-hmm. and then um, two others. They're, you know, they're off on their own adventure and then John Cena, he is protecting Dom's precious son mm-hmm. and they have their own adventure and so they split everybody up uh and it, it allows for the possibility of a lot of different loose ends to follow in the next two films. But the what I was going to say earlier though, the other great thing I think that this movie has always done, this series has always done really well is um, give us some really good villains. And a lot of the best villains, they they come around, and eventually they are not villains anymore, and they're going to show up in the next movie. So that's Jason Statham did that. Of course, John Cena did that. We get a little Helen Mirren again in this one. Never, ever a bad thing. No. Shirley Sarah comes back. Now, Shirley Sarah actually killed a member of the family, so she's not exactly all on board. Nobody's happy that she's here, but she does have an extended part in this movie, and a good one. But the most important villain, of course, is the new villain, which is... Jason Momoa, he's yeah, great. Yeah. He's the best thing about this movie. He's hilarious. He's weird. On you know, purpose. On purpose. Yeah. yeah, he's he's funny on purpose. Super weird. There's this one scene, and I'm not going to give anything away, but there's this one scene with toenail polish, and I just thought to myself, this is just macabre comedic glory. <laughs> I don't even know who decided that this was how they were going to get this piece of information to the viewer, but it's hilarious. Yeah, he's great. Um, and. You know, so often, especially the Vin Diesel-specific scenes, they're so serious. They're so hyper-serious. It's great for his counterpart to be just weirdly comical. And, um, And he's great. He's really enjoyable in this movie. Vin Diesel continues to just be the unflappable Buddha. That he always is in yeah. all of these movies, and really not very interesting. No, he's the least interesting character, and yeah. uh, but it doesn't. It has never really hampered the no, franchise. No, so Then it, it doesn't really here either. Exactly right. Well, that happens a lot. Take something
0: like even something like say Seinfeld. The other characters are more interesting than Jerry. Oh, is, for sure, and yeah. it works perfectly. So uh, we didn't even mention the director yet. It's Louis Leterrier. I, I hope I pronounced it right. From
2: Transported, the Transporter. First the two Transporter yeah. Yeah. so action stuff, mm-hmm. more action uh-huh. stuff.
0: And, and delivers that here. And then, of course, we don't want to spoil anything, but you've probably heard about someone else who might be in this. Uh, we'll just say stick around for the after the credit scene. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. Not only because, you know, that, there he is, but it is actually quite a good scene. Yeah. You know, as stingers go, this one is a good one. Yeah.
0: So and there'll be two more, at least two more. <laughs> but this is a, a good, fun start. Just go with it. Flying cars. Yeah. Space. Let's do it. <laughs> Fast X is in all the theaters now. Next up, the latest from Paul Schrader about a meticulous horticulturalist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer. This is Master Gardener.
1: I have a favorite to ask. What is it? My grandniece. I would like you to take her on as an apprentice. She dropped out of school and then she ended up in a bad crowd.
0: You'll learn how to garden. Gardening is a belief in the future, a belief that things will happen according to plan
1: Who did this to you? What are you gonna do? Time to start a new life I have created this life
0: Filled it with rules Now seems the time to break one Well, Paul Schrader, writer-director here, has certainly had a late-stage late uh, quality that he's been pumping out here in the last few years yeah. with movies like First Reformed. Oh, yeah. The Card uh, Counter. The Card Counter. And he certainly has a, a theme, and the theme is continued here, and that usually has to do with an aging man looking for some sort of redemption.
2: I think it can be even more specific than that. If you go all the way back, of course, he wrote Taxi Driver. Right. And I think his most common theme ever since then has been an irredeemable man who who manages to sort of keep moving in life by becoming, by really craving meticulous control and structure. Mm. And eventually trying to save someone else because he cannot save himself. Right. That is a Paul Schrader film in a nutshell, and that is, what, that is what First Reformed was. That's definitely what the card counter was, and that's also what Master Gardener is. Um, the thing is, though, a- and it's a great cast. Joel Edgerton is wonderful in it. Um, Quintessa Swindell plays the grandniece who comes in. She's kind of the agent of chaos. She mm-hmm. is what rocks his world and his, uh, and his meticulous creation. And he's world. teaching
0: her about gardening. That's right. Mm-hmm.
2: At the behest of her great aunt, who is played by Sigourney Weaver, wonderful. She steals every second of screen time that she has. She's great. It also looks great. Um, I think that that visually, his visual metaphors and its framing, more on point here than maybe anything else I can think of, although the card counter had that really cool fisheye sort of chaos. But it's visually very compelling. However, the stakes are... Maybe a little lower Mm -hmm. than they have been. But more than anything, I feel like it skirts some of its biggest issues. Um, It's a little toothless. Uh, You know, what you're waiting to happen uh, when you watch a Paul Schrader movie, what you're waiting for is for this this carefully cultivated life to explode. Right. And for the worst possible thing to happen, yeah. For it,
0: example, the card counter, and and even First Reform. The ending oh, yeah. of that was <gasps> so like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. So this doesn't rise to that level. It's
2: very neutered, and it could have been. You know, I mean, there. You know, uh, the the board is set for some nasty stuff to happen. I don't know. The revelations were a little toothless. Uh, he's forgiven a little too easily. I mean, it's not that it's a bad movie, and it's not that I'm not recommending the movie. But especially for fans of Paul Schrader, it's going to feel a little bit slight.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly great performances and still a, a, a solid drama, uh, especially if you're a fan of Paul Schrader. Yep. He's, always, he's always he's another one of those filmmakers that we're always interested in. Yes. Uh, and that is in theaters now and called Master Gardener. Let's go to Hulu next. It's a remake of the 1992 film about a pair of basketball hustlers who team up to earn extra cash. White men can't jump. I just need somebody who can play so I can make some money. You're joking, right? 500000
1: for one day of hoop.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a
1: to... We can hustle a few games together to get the money for the entry fee. I'll find some marks. Those short shorts look incredible on you.
0: Throw them off their game. You have an OnlyFans, And we'll clean up. You gonna wear that trash bag? You gonna wear that fake-ass Richard Simmons outfit? Oh! Then the sun died. Don't spend any of the money until we can cover the feet. I should be saying that to you. Well, I'm good with money. So am I. So am
1: I. So am I. Me too. Me too.
2: Where? Word, bro. Oh, 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 no, no. oh.
0: They're
1: gonna kill him in the parking lot. I'm out here. He got a flamethrower. Flamethrower? What is this, Mad Max? Right. I don't know, bro. I don't know how much you talking trash played today, but good work. Thank you. You could talk way more trash out there. You have so much material I can't even touch. Like what?
0: Never mind. Oh. Tell us. What a
2: love go. You know, I think even though Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes were so great in this movie, the person I miss the most is Rosie Perez. Give me a drink of water.
0: Yeah, that was a great character, and that's one of the things that's that's missing from this, that all the characters are None of them are as indelible. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a perfectly fine movie, especially if you've never seen the first one. And I know a lot of people, maybe of a certain age, have not. Right. And if you haven't and you have Hulu, okay, fine. It's 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 a fine movie. There's nothing really horrible about it, but it doesn't measure up in a lot of ways. Starting with the two the the new tandem, the new basketball players are played by Sinquil Walls from he's from Shark Knight and a lot of TV, and rapper Jack Harlow. And this is where I tell my quick story about Jack Harlow few months ago I, w- I saw the commercials that kfc had a jack harlow meal and i thought to myself who is jack harlow <laughs> uh i used to be hip at one point but uh that was on me he's a very popular rapper and this is his uh acting debut and he's not bad he's, he's a little stiff but importantly he does know he clearly knows his way around a basketball court as woody harrelson did uh, back in the day and uh, and that's important for a role like this but there's just not the, the chemistry. They don't have the, the the sass. They don't have the the, the zing, I guess, uh, that the first film did. And that's really not just for these characters, but but the entire film. It's directed by Cal Matic, who just did the updated House Party, and the two writers, Kenya Barris and Doug Hall, they teamed up on Blackish, and and of course Ron Shelton gets a writing credit from the original. But uh, it still is funny. It's just a different uh, type of humor. I would say it's not as funny, although they do do a good job of updating the the race relations jokes. You know, when you when you get the one the white guy who nobody thinks that's the whole you know joke of the uh, title that nobody thinks can play because he number one he's white and because of the way he dresses right. And then with the with the black eye and they get together. So there's going to be jokes. And they're they're updated um, with today's sort of sensibility. And they're funny and they're clever. So I, I give them credit there. Everything else, though, about this just seems, and you used the word earlier, uh, neutered. It yeah. just seems neutered. And I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen the first one. But if you have, you remember... There's a there's a double cross in that in the original between these two characters, these two these two basketball players that are teaming up. And that really adds something to the dynamic between them. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Yeah. And that's gone from this version. They, to replace that, they, they add up two dueling backstories, one about uh, knee injuries and another one about another character has had brushes with the law before. So they they try to have that beef up the narrative but it just it doesn't really work. It doesn't really add anything to you caring about these characters like the other thing did like oh what's who's who's working what angle and is it are they still working against each other whatever. And so the the only motivation is just some fast money. That that's it. They they hustle some few people early early on and then they enter the big street ball tournament. And he j- you just don't care as much. And then you bring up the Rosie Perez. They both of it. Both the guys have, you know, problems at home with their wives and/or girlfriends. And they're played by one is played by Tiana Taylor, who was just coming off that a thousand and one, mm-hmm. very, very well thought of. And then um, Jack Harlow's uh, girlfriend Laura Harrier, who was so good in Black Klansman right. and some others. So the very good actresses there. This, this is the characters just aren't as compelling mm-hmm. and their situations just aren't as compelling. The basketball scenes are fine. There's some there's some fine hooping. They both can play. And like the first one you get some funny asides from there's a, another two right, another main duo, characters, yeah, other duo funny. that cracked, uh, cracked Wise in the first one. You've got a couple of guys in this one that do it, too. They're played by Vince Staples and Miles Bullock, and they are very funny. So there are laughs here. There definitely are. Very, there's some talent in the, in the ensemble. As far as an acting career for Jack Carlo. I don't know. He's not, yeah, he's, he's not horrible. Uh, just, just a little stiff. So it's perfectly fine. You know, if you have Hulu already, why not watch it? But you're probably, if you've seen the first one, it's just, it's just missing some, I don't know, some grit, some, some sweat, some desperation, I guess, mm-hmm. from the characters. Everything seems just a little bit too safe. And there's but no jeopardy. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's no jeopardy, no water. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's, it's, it's a decent watch on Hulu, and that is the new White Men Can't Jump. Well, next up, I wouldn't call it a remake. Let's call it a reimagining of Carmen telling a story through an experimental dreamscape featuring an original score and songs. It's Carmen. They're going to find us. You know that, right? goes back centuries, and the inspiration at the beginning of this film, you see that was inspired by the original source book before the opera, and then the there's a, a poem also from the 1800s called The Gypsies. So the inspiration given by director Benjamin Millipied are those two things. And Benjamin actually has an interesting resume. He was the choreographer for Black Swan wow and uh, a co-star in that movie so dance is big with him obviously mm-hmm. and the dancing is one of the one of the things about this movie that's that shines it's very everything about the technical side of this movie is so impressive i mean name it the the choreography yes the score fantastic the cinematography the framing it's visually that's where it gets its poetry we're talking about an inspiration from a poem the poetry in this film is all visual. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's beautiful. It can be just so astounding in some regards. But it just, it lets down with the characters. Um, the story of a, really two lovers on the run that meet. This is set in a, basically in a Mexican border town. And you've got a character played by Paul Mezcal, who who's yes. so good, just an son. See that? Aiden, he is a Marine veteran, troubled, And he volunteers for a nighttime patrol on the uh, Mexican border. And on this night, a group, which includes Carmen, played by Melissa Barrera, is coming through. And there is um, an unfortunate violent standoff. And the next thing you know, the two of them, who didn't know each other before, they're off on the run. And they are being chased by the authorities for two Different reasons, which we won't go into, and so that becomes the romance. They, you know, they eventually get together and they're on the run. But the the characters through the writing are not really developed enough for you to really, really care about. But I'll tell you, what hooks you is just the visuals and all the technical aspects of this movie. They are all very impressive. And I will say, we mentioned Paul Mescal, who's very good. Mm-hmm. Again, again, and Melissa Barrera. We've talked about her before because uh, she's been in In the Heights and then the two latest Scream, Scream. movies. Uh-huh. And we've always said that she seemed to be posing
2: more than anything else.
0: Very aware of the camera. Here, not so much. I'd say she's better here than she has been that, that I have seen her. And her dancing is good. And so everything about it, if it's a little long, but if you're in the mood for just something just visually sumptuous, um, I think this definitely fits the bill. It's really, it's really compelling that way. And it is in select theaters right now. I think it's getting a wider release as we get farther into the summer. But, uh, and also, Will, I also want to mention, in case you're a fan of Almodovar's, and you should be, now, if you've seen, if you've seen a lot of his films, you will recognize Rossi De Palma, yes. one of his favorite mm-hmm. character actresses, and she has, and she's very good in this as a as a nightclub owner mm. who takes Carmen in. they, are, they have a, a history together; their families do so. Uh, she pops up too, and it's just one of the things, one of the the visual delights of this movie, and there are plenty. And that is the new Carmen in select theaters now. And let's do a horror movie on VOD. After a violent attack, a woman searches for strength in the solitude of a lookout job, but is overwhelmed by something darker. It's called
2: Outpost. You are officially an Idaho Lands Department volunteer. Smoke spotted over? Negative, no smoke, no fire. It's right there. You're right on top of it. You still haven't found Mike. He'll come. Minutes late. You need to stay in that tower. Yeah, get back up in that tower. I can't fire you. I got no one
1: else. They keep a rifle up there. She needs to come off that mountain.
2: Watch Earl and anyone with <laughs> them. Sick of being broken. It's time to plant my feet and land a punch.
1: You can't contain that kind of fury once it starts.
2: No, you can't. They're coming for your tower. answer
1: me! You don't leave the tower. <laughs>
0: Well the first thing that caught my eye about this, this is writer and director Joe Lo Trulio, who we really have known as a comedic actor. He's had a bunch of supporting roles in funny comedies. And if you watch the show Brooklyn Nine Nine, he's been a regular on there for years. Oh, and yeah. now he's going horror filmmaker.
2: Yeah, which I was fascinated by. And he's got, you know, there are a couple of actors in this small ensemble that you think maybe you're just good friends of his. Um, Dylan Baker, yeah, has a part in this movie, and he's always amazing in all things. And Dallas Roberts, yes, who's also always amazing. And I think most people might know him. He was on the Walking Dead, I think, for a couple oh, of, okay. of seasons. Not that we would know that, but um, we know him from just being a really great character actor. Yeah, in he always
0: pops in with with sometimes small roles. He played Sam Phillips in yep. Walk the Line, yep. and he's
2: always impressive. Yes, he's always impressive, and they're both great in this movie. Beth Dover. Is the lead, and she's in. She might be in every single scene. I mean, she's in very nearly every single scene. She's survived a brutal attack from her boyfriend or husband. It's not really clear, and but he's not been found. And so, what she wants to do is, is be safe and get away from everything for a while. So, she convinces her sister, her friend, to convince her brother. To let her take a job in an outpost uh, looking over some fire, you yeah. know, looking over the woods for fire. So I found
0: that interesting, the <laughs> setup there. I thought, okay, that's an interesting setup.
2: Yeah, so she's completely alone. It's a three-month stint. It's just her. She's just at this tower. She's really not supposed to leave the tower. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting premise because she's haunted, right, as, as you would be. And she doesn't have any distractions. And And so you just sort of follow what happens. And is what she's seeing real? Is it not real? Um, and then is she is she sussing out kind of a, a shady conspiracy there, or again is this all in her head? What's going on here? It's an interesting idea. It's just not executed very well. Right. And um and then th- there's a third act um that probably needed to be brought around a little earlier because as it is. It's an it's an interesting development as well, and, it, and at that point, the third act, you're you're saying to yourself, now if she'd been a male character, I would have seen this coming. So I appreciate that. However, mm-hmm. so much of this movie just feels unfinished. You know, it feels like there's a lot of tension that they're trying to build that doesn't get built very well in the first two acts. The third act feels very rushed, and then the ending doesn't seem like an ending at all. It definitely the whole film seems. A little out of balance and definitely unfinished. I think there's a lot that's worthwhile here, but on the whole, I don't think I can recommend it.
0: Yeah, and that is on VOD starting this weekend, and it's called Outpost. Another VOD next after having her identity stolen. A woman and her son's pregnant girlfriend bond together on a surreal journey as they attempt to track down the perpetrators. It's called Giving Birth to a Butterfly.
1: There are so many ways to make money on
2: the internet. You just have
1: to find the right one. Are you sure there isn't some mistake? They're supposed to be wiring money into my account, not out of it. There's an address we can look it up and see if there's a business listed. You have a car. You can take me. I got scammed, Marlene. That's why we're doing this. I've lost everything. Welcome. I'm- What's going on here? We are always taught to yearn as if a part of us is absent. We wake up in
2: another world.
1: And it seems self. So
2: This is a weird little movie. It's um, it's very much experimental. A really small cast. They're all quite solid. Um, it's you know, a pretty
0: short. Its runtime is about an hour fifteen. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's
2: not a huge investment. Um, it's not a huge payoff either. It's a well-made film and it's sort of a dream sequence where, you know, early on her identity is stolen and essentially what she's doing in her midlife is finding her identity. But it's in a very surreal way. It's it's definitely metaphorical. It gets, I don't know, maybe the word would be lynchian. I'm not sure that's really exactly correct, but I think that's a term that's used for these kind of surreal narratives that go in strange places I liked so much about it, and I liked the performances, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, um, it, it kind of lacks a point. It is a recommendation, but a fairly lukewarm one.
0: Yeah, and the director co-writer is Theodore Schaefer, and that is on VOD right now called Giving Birth to a Butterfly. We'll stay on VOD for an action-adventure drama set during World War II and a specialized squad of African-American soldiers are sent on an unofficial rescue mission behind enemy lines to locate their missing commanding officer. It's called Come Out Fighting.
1: You pilot? I was until I was shot down. Maybe I'm the one that's rescuing you. This don't look good. You got 24 hours. Find Hayes an and bring him
2: back. If you find an American pilot out there, bring him back as well. Don't let me down, Sergeant. Good luck.
1: to fight a war these are the real men out here real men that have put it all on the line real killers
2: here they come schlocketeer daniel Baldwin reviewed this one for us at mad wolf and sometimes we specifically sort of align certain reviewers with certain films and, and we just thought if anybody is going to like come out fighting it would be Daniel because for example Dolph Lundgren is in it as are some other you know veterans of, of action films the writer and director Steven Luke has kind of carved out a niche with these low to mid actually low budget war films yeah, and, several. It, he, and often manages to elevate uh, the film above what the budget sort of might recommend not this time unfortunately uh, the performances the acting isn't bad but they're not given much to do these actors are given not much in in way of the in terms of the script and the action and the location and the cutting and the, it it really really reeks of a low budget
0: yeah you'll notice uh, Michael J White uh, Tyrese Gibson Dolph Lundgren pops up Kellen Lutz I think from the uh, Twilight Uh, Uh Series is popped in there, so a few people that you might know.
2: Yeah, he was pretty disappointed. Daniel was pretty disappointed in this one. He he had high hopes based on the other films, mostly war films that the filmmaker had made, and just thought this was just bad.
0: And it's on VOD. Come out fighting. And one more on VOD: a documentary. In 1985, William de Kooning's "Woman Ochre, one of the most valuable paintings of the 20th century, was cut from its frame at the University of Arizona. Museum of Art. 32 years later, the painting was found hanging in a New Mexico home. What's up with that? This one is called The Thief
1: Collector. There's basically three types of thieves. The first type is the theft of opportunity. The second is the individuals who are doing it for money. Then there's the third kind of art thief. And that's the art thief who steals for themselves. And those are the most
2: dangerous. Rita and Jerry Alter were my aunt and uncle. Oh, they were definitely soulmates, and he would do anything for her. Their house was full of
0: souvenirs from their travels around the world. It seems like this couple is really the story here.
1: They're the mystery. If you've got the right psychology, you go after that painting. You take it, you make it yours. They saw themselves as masters of victimless crimes. This is crazy to me that it was just hanging up on their wall. We didn't know the real Jerry and Rita. The thief collector is the darkest of them all.
0: This is an interesting story. This was reviewed by Rachel Willis at MadWolf.com. and It's basically about thinking you know people that you don't really know. Like what if your next door neighbors were this mild-mannered couple and, oh, are they art
2: thieves? I love too that it's just hanging in their house. Right. They didn't steal it to sell it. They stole right. it to hang it in their house. Well,
0: that's what the movie one of the experts in the movie says is the most dangerous kind of art thief. They're not trying to fence it. They're not they they just, they just want, they it. want it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny situation and it's a it's a documentary, but there are some liberties taken and uh and some reenactments. And, and, you know, while it's a fascinating story and, and sort of the psychology of the movie is very interesting, it's also a little bit dangerous because what they do is take a lot of fiction that, that the man used to write and and sort of let's suppose that this is not exactly fiction. Yeah. And if you are a fiction writer, that's nerve-wracking. Like, yeah. I don't want somebody 100 years from now looking back on the stuff I wrote and think, I wonder if Hope murdered a lot of people.
0: Exactly, because though they may have been art thieves... The man of this couple definitely did write short stories. Yes. So there, Rachel seemed to th- thought that they may be reading a little bit too much into that those yes. stories. But uh, interesting, you, you mentioned reenactments, and the couple in the reen- reenactments is played by Sarah Minnick and uh, Glenn Howerton, right. who we just saw, we see right and now, so good in Blackberry. Right. So he's up in this one as well.
2: So fascinating, maybe flawed, but on the whole, you can't get past. It's a fascinating story, and you can find Rachel's full review at MadWolf.com.
0: And that is on VOD, now called The Thief Collector. Hey, what's happening in the lobby? Let's find
1: out.
2: Let's all go
1: to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, let's
0: check back into the lobby. Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, with a new batch of uh, headlines and updates. What's shaking?
1: Well, first off, Dungeons & Dragons on our Among Thieves is now available to stream on Paramount+. So you can watch that anytime you want if you're subscribed to it. It's a fun one. And if you're looking for a wild double feature at home this weekend, both the Super Mario Brothers movie and Sisu are now available on VOD.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: that's quite a double feature fight against tyranny double <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> good one um avatar the way of water will become available to stream on both disney plus and hbo max beginning on june 7th also in june uh, netflix will premiere their animated sci-fi fantasy film Mimona, on june 30th and heading into july netflix has set a july 7th premiere for their action comedy the outlaws which stars adam divine Pierce Brosnan, Ellen Barkin, Nina Dobrev, Michael Rooker, Richard Kind, and Lil Ray Howery. So there's a motley crew for you. That is, yeah. <laughs> and July 14th, we'll see the Netflix premiere of their horror spinoff Bird Box Barcelona, Ooh. which was um, directed by the Pastor brothers, who previously did the uh, Chris Pine Contagion Thriller Carriers. Oh, yeah. About a decade ago. Yeah. And uh, that'll supposedly be the first in a slate of uh, international Bird Box spinoffs. I'm not exactly sure how quickly they'll all be coming, but there will there will be more of them.
0: Well, that Bird Box was certainly a hit. Yeah,
1: it was. And Shudder will premiere the Supernatural thriller, thriller Elevator Game on August 11th. Universal's R-rated talking dog comedy, Strays, has been pushed back to an August 18th theatrical release. And Shudder is also premiering the horror movie Bad Things on August 25th. Also on August 25th will be the Hulu premiere of Vacation Friends 2 with all the leads from the previous one back. Oh, okay. If you a fan of that one, we've got yeah. a new one on the way. All right. And lastly, Disney has set uh, Gareth Edwards' the original sci-fi film, The Creator, for a September 29th theatrical release. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that one yet, but it looks pretty good.
0: No, I have not.
1: It looks very much in line with uh, the big uh, spectacle that he uh, brought forth with um, his Godzilla movie and Rogue One. Oh, yeah. More of a uh, humans versus AI robots sort of thing.
0: Okay, cool.
1: And that's all I have for you. All
0: right. Well, good enough, as always. You can get the latest uh, from Daniel on the socials. Catch up with him at The Schlocketeer. Thanks, as always.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Okay, looking ahead to next week. Well, a big one. Latest live-action Disney remake, The Little Mermaid, is coming out next weekend. For the Well, actually, it opens early, I believe, because next weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Mm -hmm. I believe it opens on Wednesday. Wow. All right, so we'll talk about that.
2: And also a sequel that we have been looking forward to, The Wrath of Becky.
0: Yeah, remember that Becky mm-hmm. from a few years ago? The uh, the horror film with Kevin James? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. I, I liked it, was, it. Yeah, it was lean and mean. Also, uh, the latest from Nicole Holof Center called You Hurt My Feelings. Starling Girl. Oh, Influencer. Yeah. This is a thriller that we were so glad to have uh, as a part of Nightmares Film Festival last year. That's in fact, right. it was a winner. It was. And uh, And so good. That's going to be out in wide release. Influencer next week. And Cracked. Okay, that's next week. Holiday weekend, always good. The unofficial start of summer. And we'll talk about those next week. But this week, what do you think? Fast X... Master Gardener, Carmen, white men can't jump. Keep the conversation going. Always easy to do. You can find us on Twitter at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews and our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's always available at MadWolf.com. So have a great week. Keep in touch if you can. We'll talk movies. And until next week, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do
1: wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.